Are you ready? It's time for hard-hitting MMA interviews and knockout analysis. It's like a cross-faced chicken wing to your mind. Get ready for MMA Sucker Radio. So here I sit, uh, MMA is Sucker Radio, we're doing it again, another week, another show, another podcast, beside me as usual, Jeremy Brand, I'm Trevor Duick, and also beside me is a bag full of old Dutch potato chips, I like them, and I'm proud to say that I also have dip, and I'm proud of that as well, and, and we're Jeremy, the Queens of the Stone Age. then we're kicking the Queens of the Stone Age, which is Jeremy's choice of music today, he's running the jukebox, appreciate it Jeremy. You're a, you're a big Queens of Stone Age fan, I take it. Yeah, I love Queens of I, Yeah, they're awesome. You band. think? And uh, I think that, you know, they're headlining Squamish Fest up in Squamish, British Columbia, which up should be fantastic north. as Great well. Great White North. Yeah, here in British. So, uh, yeah, digging Queens of Stone Age. Their new album comes out, I guess, just before the summertime. Cool. And what song is this? I'm going to put you on the spot. What song, what song is, this? is this? What are we playing? We should always mention the song, the album, so people can download it. This is called... My God is the Sun. My God is the Sun. Is your God the Sun? I don't know. I don't know. It'd don't be nice. Go, it would be there. nice to have some sun around here. That's for sure. I mean, it's rainy Vancouver. I guess today was sunny, but it was cold as hell. It's supposed to be sunny the entire week. Well, there we go. Yeah, I think we're doing just fine. The gods of the sun are shining upon <laughs> us. So I was talking about my potato chips, and to your right, uh, you ha- you brought a little snack to munch on because we ha- we tend to get the munchies. And it's brown crap in a plastic bottle. It's not brown. It's it's purpley greeny color. It's and not very. It's called Mike Dolce's Purple People Cleaner. Oh it God! Consists of, you want to know what it consists of? You'll, Do you'll I want to know? This one. It consists of apple, carrot, cucumber, celery. Mm. Blend that all up. You throw in the kale. You throw in the blueberries, the strawberries, the raspberries, the chia seed, the hemp seed. And a bit of coconut oil to top it off. You put some hemp in there, huh? Yep, hemp seeds. You know these things are to die for. I got my Vitamix. Not just pretty hemp stoked seed. about it. I've made ice cream with it already. I've had it for three days. I've had it since Sunday, and I've I, I'm proud to say that I've used it about seven times already. You finally got the Vitamix. Loving it. Hmm. Um. So you, uh, what, what, what's the, what are you looking to accomplish here? Are you, are you losing? What, are you trying to go on a diet? No, is this, it's this, all this, lifestyle, man. Is it's a lifestyle just... change for you? <coughs> I'm always on a lifestyle change. Every time I eat something, <laughs> it's time. different, and I'm always on a change. I'm always on a this, lifestyle change you know, too. This this show is a lifestyle change for me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, because of the guests we bring on, because some of them are pretty pretty awesome. We like today's show. We got. Uh, we're, we're going to give Carlin Bardsley a call because he, um, we haven't had him on for a few weeks, and you know he's part of this podcast. Our good old ways. log driver. Yeah, that's right. We'll get out the log driver song. We'll talk to him. Good Canadian kid. We're going to talk about uh, last week's UFC on Fox Seven, and then this Saturday night's UFC One Fifty Nine. Chael Son and uh, John Jones. Um, well, so I'm going to ask you, compadre, what uh, 
what says you about uh, UFC on Fox Seven? Did you, uh, you know, obviously I was completely you pissed with the judging. Yes, judging not was just an issue. in the main event, but the card overall as a whole. Uh, beginning with obviously, I mean, there wasn't much judging to do in this card because it actually tied um, for the most record of KOs yeah. in the UFC with I think eight. Uh, which is pretty crazy. So the, it only went to the judges' scorecards on four occasions in the 12 fights, I believe. And the one that pissed me off the most, even more than a main event, which was a very close fight, was Lorenz Larkin and uh, Patrick Carmont. Francis Carmont. Francis Carmont. Francis Carmont. I'm thinking of a guest. Patrick Carmonte. But Francis <laughs> Carmont, that fight, Lorenz Larkin stole the show. Yeah. Absolutely dominated mm-hmm. him. Couldn't let him take him down. If and if if anyone knows, Lorenz Larkin lost his last match, which was overturned before that to a no contest. He lost to King Mo, and King Mo took him down at will. Francis Carmont is way bigger than King Mo, and Lorenz Larkin fought that off like a champ. Um, like a unfortunately, champ. he did not come up with the victory. So, what in about- my eyes, he won this fight thirty twenty seven. Oh wow! Just look at you, and you're very passionate about that because you got very close to the mic, and you were just very passionate about that fight. What about Gilbert Melendez, Benson Henderson? Do you find that that was? I, I had a Gilbert Melendez. I had him winning the first two rounds, and then the last round. Yeah, I had it the exact same as you. Oh, even good. round Even round three was close. Mm. Um, I could have even called it forty nine, forty six with round three. Um, it was a very close fight. I don't know what really? it really was. was. It though. It I mean, was a guess close so, fight. but I, I, it, lo- lo- looking at it, watching it from a judge's perspective, it was a close fight, and that's the reason why it was a split decision. Well, what is but Benson Gilbert Henderson? Melendez yeah, should have stole that fight. What is Benson Henderson doing that the judges are seeing that we're not? Because I uh, think it's more so. I don't think it's what he's doing that that makes the judges pleased. I think it's more uh, the fights are close. And you have to do. Um, you have to beat the champ to be the champ. You think that there's some something to that that because he's the champion and because the fight, it's which many believe are very was very close, uh, that you. I mean, I think that's BS. I don't I, mean. I, I think don't, the rounds I, that I, I saw him winning, I saw Gilbert definitely winning. Yeah, and I don't mean that uh, you have to knock him out or submit him, but I think it has to be more decisive than what this one was. That's. I, and I'm not saying that as as me picking Benson Henderson to have won that fight because I didn't. I think Gilbert Melendez for sure won the fight. Um, I thought it was close. I was upset at the decision because I thought Gil won, but I wasn't crying saying it was a robbery because it was still a very close fight. And they'll fight again. You'd, you'd yeah, like to I, think. I actually thought it should be an automatic rematch. I don't see where this whole Gray Maynard, yeah. TJ Grant comes What's into play. What's up with that? Because Gray Maynard hasn't fought in ages. TJ Grant's great. Don't get me wrong. This guy, if he beats Gray Maynard, he is a legitimate contender. But with how close this fight was, I thought that was that that was a case for having a rematch. Also, Pat Healy, who actually we have on the show today, which we haven't mentioned yet. <laughs> Pat Healy, Jim Miller. I think that fight's even more of a number one contender fight than Gray Maynard and TJ Grant. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll ask Pat about that. And uh, again, yeah, like you said, Pat Healy's going to be on the show. That's our big guest uh, of the day, um, and it'll be cool talking to him. Uh, also on this card, I, I don't want to you know analyze it too much because we're going to talk to Carlin about that. But just another fight uh, that I just want your input on: Daniel Cormier, Frank Mir. Uh, Cormier looked fairly dominant, fairly solid. And uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought he looked great. I thought Cormier. Um, controlled the octagon. I thought he used his. Obviously, the jitters came into play. He didn't. Uh, 
he said that he was nervous coming into the cage. He was nervous to get into the UFC and, and fight a former champ. Um, but he did what he had to do to beat a former champ, and I think that he's he's a force to be reckoned with in, in any division that he decides to fight in. Next uh, Saturday, or actually it would be this Saturday, is uh, UFC 159, Jones, Chael Sonnen. Uh, you and I were talking before we were on air here about the fight, and you seem to think that Chael Sonnen's got a really good shot. I didn't. I didn't previously. I thought John Jones was going to walk all over Chael Sonnen. Well, what changed um, your some, mind? I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's these interviews that he's getting me hyped up, which he's supposed to do. Um, John ah. Jones is is very uh, anticlimactic in these interviews. He's not selling the fight at all. He's not doing anything. He's barely even giving a word in these interviews. And uh, Chael Sonnen is doing what he does best. Many don't think this card is being hyped up enough. Many don't believe this fight is being hyped up enough. The guys were on ESPN Sports Center um, the other day, and I think Chael Sonnen's doing a great job this week at least, and leading up to the fight for the past two weeks, doing a great job of uh, sort of pushing it. And on UFC Tonight, which he which he co-hosts, he does a great job on there as well. You do a great job, by the way, too. I gotta say, being producer Jeremy Jeremy Brand. Thank you. <laughs> so um what do you say do we get started with the show i think so He hails from Salem, Oregon, and is set to continue his winning ways at UFC 159 when he takes on a very tough Jim Miller. Very pleased to have him on the show, Mr. Pat Healy. Welcome, my friend. Hey, thanks a bunch for having me on. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, bro. Uh, hey, so I was reading in your um, your bio that your introduction, now tell me if this is right or wrong, but your introduction to martial arts was when you got head kicked by a friend of yours. <laughs> Uh, it was actually my brother who uh, got got took the head kick and knocked. He actually got knocked out. But wow. He was a he was a neighborhood guy, like one of our friends from up the street, and he did Muay Thai, and he yeah. wanted and he was into the UFC and stuff, and he wanted uh, some some other guys in the neighborhood to to train with him, and uh, we were the only ones dumb enough to to volunteer <laughs> and. We went up there the first time, and we—I mean, me and my brother didn't have any idea what we were doing, you know. And he came in and he, uh, just landed a beautiful head kick on my brother, and like my brother's legs like dropped out, and he caught like the the guy who did it, uh, caught him, caught my brother before he hit the ground, and then he kind of revived him, and we're like, whoa, uh, I guess there's something to this. And, uh, I don't know. We were hooked ever since. How's your how's your brother Ryan doing? Because he took uh, a few uh, head kicks in a row against Jesse Ronson up here in Canada. How's he doing right now? He's doing good, actually. Uh, you know, after that fight, he took a little time off because uh, he had some twin girls, so he just uh, they're about a month old now. Yeah, he uh, he's dealing with that, so it's uh, he's looking. He just started training again. He's just kind of getting the time to train again, so. Uh, uh, he should be back in pretty soon. I think he'll fight <laughs> at uh, the SFL out in uh, India. So, um, yeah, but uh, that was uh, – it's kind of funny. All I've talked to him in the, the last, like, month 
Yeah. Every time I talk to him and he's at the house, all I hear is a crying baby in the background. <laughs> he's, <laughs> so, dude, he, he ain't getting back to training anytime soon. Trust me. So. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people say they're like, man, it's going to be six months. Like, it, it, it's yeah. at least six months until the kids start to calm down so you can get a regular sleeping schedule. Yeah, maybe ease into the training, getting back to training, you know, because that's a <laughs> lot of freaking late nights, bro. Hey, um, you are uh, 29. I mean, you fought uh, about 45 times in your career. How does the body feel now? Uh, the body feels great, man. You know, I've... Um, I've made some changes in my training over the last couple of years and really uh, um, uh, focus more on my technique and, and not sparring as much. Um, and then now I'm, I switched to the sports lab, so that was a, a yeah. big change. And, you know, over uh, the course, I think I think focusing more on your technique and getting better is, is kind of a big deal. Like, uh, I was always kind of one of those guys who really want to spar hard and go hard all the time. And you just can't do that, man. And, uh, uh, you know, now with Sports Lab, they're so scientific in their approach. And, you know, I, my, I see my flexibility increasing. You know, they got me working with a massage therapist. Oh, to, really? hmm. uh, yeah, to do the just the whole nine yards, you know, take care of the whole body as well as, uh, you know, not just, you know, fighting all the time, you know. Yeah. Hey, we were talking to to Matt Brown last week, and he was talking about how when he was on a three-fight losing streak uh, at one point in his career, he didn't know what was going to happen, and he didn't really have a backup plan as far as what would his life would be with you know outside of fighting. W- what are your interests outside of fighting? Like, say if your fighting career ended at UFC 159, and hope to God it doesn't, but say you know something happens, and you just don't want to fight anymore, or it, it, you can't. What would you? What would your fallback plan be? Well, you know, first, uh, I mean, I've always looked at my fallback plan as kind of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I know that's yeah. uh, part of the sport, so if, mm-hmm. if I lost that, uh, then I'd be in a little bit more trouble. But, you know, I have worked in, um, uh, my dad uh, was owned a service master, which is fire and water damage restoration. Yeah. Um, and that's insurance work, and I've I've worked in water, mainly the water side, the water restoration side, uh, pretty much my entire life for various companies, as you know, as well as working for my dad growing up. So, um, you know, that was always his thing. Like, man, insurance work, it, it's recession proof. So uh, I've still got that in my mind. Where, uh, you know, after fighting, I, I want to look into. Uh, you know, getting into the, the service master business, and I already know a lot of what it takes to run it. My father obviously could help with that, and and my brother-in-law now has taken over my dad's business. So it's uh, so that water restoration is uh, in in the family, I guess. Hey, that's awesome because I mean, like, there's a lot of guys. You know, it, it's it's funny you talk to a lot of fighters, and and they come from so many different backgrounds. Some are university degrees, some don't. Some you know come from construction. There always just seems to be uh, some sort of fallback plan for a lot of guys, and then for some there there isn't. It's fighting is their life, and uh, you're talking about business. Uh, let's, you're uh, you're getting a business at UFC 159, and just last uh, week at UFC. On Fox Seven, we saw Gilbert Melendez fighting. That's a guy that you were supposed to, uh, you know, have a couple of tussles with in Strikeforce uh, for the title, and it just never came to being. Were Were you pretty pissed off about how that all worked out? 
Um, you know, I was frustrated. Uh, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's, it was really hard at the time, especially the, the first time was really, really hard because yeah. it was like the week, you know, I was like basically packing my bags to leave, to go, to go to the fight. And then I found out he was injured and ultimately the whole show was canceled. Yeah. So that was hugely disappointing. Um, but, you know, I never had, like, anything personally against Gil. It was all about I wanted to be champ, you know. That was one of my goals, you know. When I got into Strike Force, I had written on my bathroom uh, wall, you know, uh, become Strike Force champion in 2012. And I, I looked on, on pace to uh, at least have a chance to accomplish that goal. So that was really the disappointing part is just, you know, seeing that what you're working for, uh, that chance fall through. Wait, wait a second now. You said you wrote that goal on your bathroom wall. What other goals do you have on your bathroom wall? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I got uh, uh, to be the UFC uh, champion, you know. And, and I, I, I put a timeline of 2014, so, you know, um, that's certainly a goal I'm working for. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I read a lot in, in personal development, things like that. So, uh, you know, I have goals like... Uh, just to be financially free to to do whatever I want, you know. Mm, and yeah. uh, you know, another thing I love is to travel, so I, I want to travel the world. So uh, those are a couple of my goals. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that uh, I don't know. I just like keeping them there, and it reminds me every day, you know, that uh, what I'm working for. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're there every day anyway, so you might as well just keep rereading those goals every every single uh, every single meeting that you have there. Yeah, definitely. Hey, speaking of which, uh, you were talking about uh, the UFC lightweight title. Benson Henderson currently has that. Uh, did you see his fight against Gilbert Melendez last week? And and what did you think? Oh, uh, you know, I thought I uh, I thought Gil edged it out. It Me was too. super super close, man. I thought I thought Gil did enough in the first, second, and fifth, and you know, in the third round was even super super close. Um, yeah, so I, I thought Gil had, had done enough to win, but I don't think it was like a horrible decision by any means. It was still a really close fight. Yeah, and, and, and obviously you watched that fight with a lot of interest because uh, coming up here at UFC 159, you're you're facing a very dangerous Jim Miller, and, and a win over Miller uh, could really put you in the conversation. Now, I know Dana White has said that TJ Grant and Gray Maynard are going to get uh, – the one of them are going to get the, the next shot. Do you feel that uh, your fight coming up here with, with Miller, uh, you think that if you were to win in, in, in an exciting fashion or put in together you know, a really good solid win, do you think that you should be in that conversation? Yeah, I, I think I should. I mean, I think Miller um, is kind of in that conversation already. So, yeah. you know, beating him, uh, especially in, in, in a good, exciting fashion, uh, should leave me pretty close to the top. And especially some of the, I know Strike Force isn't around, but I have had a good run there. And, yeah. you know, I, I won six t- times in a row, you know, I'm riding that streak. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd. I think uh, I'd, I'd be right right up near the top. Yeah, I. You guys are both fantastic wrestlers. Do you think that will that will counteract each other? You think this this could end up being uh, who's got it in the stand up department? Yeah, you know, um, he's he's tough. 
wrestler and, you know, he's got the ground skills to back it up. I certainly don't want to be leaving my neck out there for him to choke too, you know. So yeah. that kind of always plays into the wrestling. Um, you know, he can't be taking reckless shots against a guy like him. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly don't want it to be just a stand-up at range fight. I, you know, I think I'm really good in the clinch. And I'm not talking the boring against the cage clinch, you know, like mm-hmm. grind out a you know boring decision. Uh, I think I can do some things in there, uh, you know, out in the open and, and with strikes that uh, uh, I've been working really hard on to develop. And, uh, you know, I've been having a, a lot of great luck in sparring. So, yeah. you know, those are going to be positions I look to take advantage of. Were you taking a shot at Daniel Cormier there with his uh, wrestling against Frank Mir? No, no, I love DC, man. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, when you say clinch, you know, people get that image in your head, like, oh, he's just going to push him against the wall or the cage and just yeah. hold him there, you know? And uh, I certainly don't want people to think that. I think that would be a huge mistake in my, my first uh, UFC or yeah. my second, but I, I just, as far as I'm concerned, it's my first fight in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just—I mentioned Daniel Cormier because he—he actually spoke about the nerves that he had coming out to the to the UFC octagon. Now, you—you you have been in the UFC, you had that one fight, but this is sort of a big stage now, and and you are, like you said, are on a, on a six-fight winning streak, and also you're going to be in New Jersey in in Miller's hometown. So, you know, you do you expect fully to have the same sort of butterflies Cormier was talking about? Oh, you, you know, that's something I've been trying to prepare for. I think. Uh... You know, if you if you don't think you're going to have butterflies in the UFC on, on such a big stage, then you're doing yourself a great disservice. You know, I think uh, I've been trying to visualize a lot and, and kind of feel that nervousness um, far out, you know, and I, I kind of want to take that nervousness and, you know, turn it into excitement, man, because this is what everybody in the sport works for, man. This is where everybody wants to be, you know, a main card of a UFC pay-per-view, so... Um, you know, I'm just, you know, I know they're going to be there, you know, come fight time and I just got to embrace that and, uh, you know, turn it into some positive energy. And you probably get a lot of that positive energy by your diet because I read somewhere today, um, that, uh, you know, you have a tough enough time making 155, so you don't have a lot of protein in your diet. Is, Is that true? Like you just pretty much love fruit and veggie juice. Yeah, man, I'm not, uh, I certainly, uh, you know, I try to eat, you know, get my protein through foods. I don't, I don't believe in, uh, taking the, the protein supplements. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that that is, uh, very helpful, especially when cutting weight. And, you know, I, I get pretty, uh, pretty veggie heavy when, uh, get, get near a fight. And, uh, you know, I love the, the vegetable fruit juice combination, man. Like after training it, it's like a, Kind of like a, a shot of adrenaline, man, and just kind of brings you back to life. Okay, well, my my producer here in cohort, uh, Jeremy, he he keeps telling he he juices all the time. He just went and bought himself a Vitamix, and he shows up here. I got a bag of chips in front of me right now, Pat, and he's got this drink that just looks like I I don't it looks god awful, but it's it, it's Mike Dolce's Purple People Cleaner. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, I got the Vitamix, too, and I, I love all, uh, you know, I use a lot of Dolce's recipes, and I, I man, I'm, I, you just got to find, there's a lot of that juice, it may look terrible, but it, it's good, man, there's a lot of stuff that, 
you know, I'll make and I'll take one soon and be like, wow, that's great, you know. So there, there is good juice out there, vegetable and fruit juice, man. Uh, so. And it's the difference between one or two different ingredients, you know what I mean? Like you add a you add a carrot or an orange or something like that, and it completely changes the taste from rotten to absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Uh, I love, you know, I... You know, I, I know kind of my, my go-to things, like you said. Like, I always use carrots. I love beets for some reason. I would never eat beets, like, regularly, but for some reason the juice tastes I really like. And, you know, you kick in some pineapple or some blueberries or even, a you know, a banana, and, it like, suddenly it's like a treat, man. What about ripple potato chips? <laughs> you can throw those in there. <laughs> I've never tried that. Maybe I'll, I'll wait to experiment with that until uh, after my fight. You know, that might be a, a post-fight thing. You know, <laughs> are you still taking two two days off a week? By the way, like in, in your training. <clears throat> yeah, you know, a lot of days I take uh, Wednesday and Sunday off. Um, you know, I, I feel like that uh, kind of rejuvenates me. You know, sometimes those like the the week can be daunting, man. When you you start on Monday and yeah. You know, you're training straight through till whatever Saturday. Like you hit Wednesday, Thursday, and you're you're burnt out, and then you know the rest of your training is going to suffer. So I, I believe in those days off, and you know some days when I'm feeling really good, I'll I'll get in there and just do technique on on those days. It's really <laughs> light, but uh, yeah, I mean I think you got to let your body recover. What a job, eh? Can you imagine? Like people are listening right now, going, "Man, that's a great idea. I should." Call my boss and see if I can take two days a week off. It's called Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> Saturday, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Very well, good kind, point. It, it, it totally screws me up too, man. Like uh, a lot of times on Wednesdays, I'll like uh, you know wake up leisurely and go to like Starbucks, and I'll, I'll be like so confused, like why is everybody running around doing so much on a weekend? And it'll kind of click in, like, oh, it's not the weekend. It's Wednesday. Like, it's the work day for most people. <laughs> totally, man. Um, hey, just uh, when you before we let you go, a couple more questions here. But just when you think about the upcoming fight with Jim Miller, I mean, where do you see, um, you know, you, you obviously have a great job and, and you do have, you know, very solid stand-up. Where do you see the fight going like, as far as in your head when you're picturing it? How do you see actually you winning that fight? Uh, I see me, you know, grinding them out. I might have to weather an early storm. I know he likes to come out just firing at the start, but uh, you know, I, I'm I can really pick it up as the rounds go on, and I may have to weather an early storm, but uh, you know, I'm going to be in it till the end, and I think I can wear him down, use my size, you know, and eventually, uh, you know, I think those takedowns and stuff are going to come into play more than like that third round. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think I can catch him in a sub or, or stop him with strikes, ground and pound style. Pat, you sound extremely confident, man. He's Pat Healy. He's taking on Jim Miller at UFC 159. Uh, before we let you go, we ask all these uh, every guest that we bring on that uh, we think is 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 cool. Uh, we have this thing called fight music, and we put it on the uh, the website. And so, just let us know, like, what what kind of music do you listen to when you're training or when you want to get in the mood to punch somebody in the face? I I'll probably be pretty different than uh, most of uh, people, but uh, I, I I love to train to like reggae, man. Uh, I'm more about like getting into a groove, like getting into the flow. So I I like a lot of reggae. Uh, 
I and I Camus, uh, Bo Napoleon, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of Hawaiian music, the, the Hawaiian uh, reggae, uh, so so anything like that. So, uh, yeah, maybe uh, pretty uh, unorthodox, but I, I think getting into a flow is much better than getting pumped up and, and wanting to punch a hole in the wall or something. Bro, we're we're in a flow right now. That's that's great. No, you're, it's actually not unusual. We've we've had a few guests on here that are big into reggae. So hey, man, that's that's Irie. Um, I got a question for you, John Jones, uh, Chael Sonnen. Who do you got before we let you go? You know, Chael's been my friend for for years and years, man, and uh, <laughs> has helped me a lot in, in wrestling and uh, uh, MMA. So I, I would never bet against Chael. And nope. you know, Chael, man, he pushes the pace, and I think he has a style that's going to create great problems for uh, for John Jones. Yeah, everyone is saying it's a mismatch. I, I don't see it a mismatch at all. I actually think this fight's going to be a lot closer than people think, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think you're a smart man. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, and if you've ever trained with Shell, like trying to get him off of you, like he, he keeps coming forward, keeps throwing punches, and it, it's it's like being in a tornado, man. It's like you don't know which way is up, and you know he he comes at you so hard, you just want to grab him, and then as soon as you grab him, you realize you're in, that was the worst thing you could have done. So. Uh, it should be interesting. I think uh, a lot of people are going to uh, uh, get their eyes opened on this one. Well, man, you opened a lot of eyes on this show. It was really cool having you on. Uh, he's Pat Haley again. He's fighting Jim Miller, UFC 159. Just how how can people get a hold of you in the social media universe? Uh, best way is uh, Twitter and Instagram. I stay pretty active on both of those. Uh, at Bam Bam Haley, uh it is uh, uh, my tag, and then, uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook, too, Pat Bam Bam Huey, uh, and I stay on that one, too, so try to keep it moving on those. Pat, we really appreciate you doing this, man, and, and congratulations, one, on being in the UFC again and, and just uh, your winning ways. We hope you keep it up at uh, this Saturday night. Hey, I appreciate it and uh, a lot for having me on, and, you know, you came – Highly recommended for my friend Matt. Uh, so uh, you know anything he kind of says, uh, I, I, I trust him. So he, he said you guys are good, solid people, and it would be good interview. So I, I, I'm so comfortable. Hey, Matt's yeah. a smart man. Matt's a smart man. Hey, we'll be cheering you on. Good luck. Our good friend Matt. Hey, you know he he hooked us up with Pat Healy's email address, lined up this interview. Like to show uh, some respect and thanks to, to Matt out there. Matt, he's a smart guy. It's good. <laughs> Matt is a smart guy. You know who else is a smart guy? You should guy? have a t-shirt that says, I'm Matt and I'm a smart guy. <laughs> you know who else is a smart guy? Hmm. The guy we have on next. Oh, Carlin Bardsley. Any girl from the parish around What pleases her most from her head to her toes She'll say I'm not sure that it's business of yours But I do like to waltz with the log driver For he goes back. It's time for the man who pleases the girls completely It's In the Cage with Bards with Carlin Bardsley Brought to you by the nextsportstar.com 
He is uh, the host of In the Cage with Bards on the next sportsstar.com. He also contributes to MMASucker.com, including this little podcast. Here to talk about UFC 159 and other deep and profound subjects, Mr. Carlin Bardsley is back with us. Carlin, where are you at and what are you doing? Make it scandalous. Uh, no, <laughs> nothing scandalous tonight. Uh, just uh, hanging out at home here. Trying to you know keep my head around all the happenings in the MMA world, and uh, happy to be talking to my two favorite Vancouverites again. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's always good to have you on uh, from out east coast. How are the Blue Jays holding up this year, bro? If people in Toronto happy about their Blue Jays right now? Uh, how the fuck would I know it's baseball? Had <laughs> a boy. Uh, you were watching uh, some UFC last Saturday, uh, like a bunch of us. Uh, UFC on Fox Seven. I'm uh, just curious. I want to ask you right off the hop here because a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, Benson Henderson, Gilbert Melendez. How did you score that fight? Me, I I scored scored at Melendez. Uh, what did you have? Yeah, I had it to 48-37 Melendez. Um, I'm gonna have to watch that fight again though and go over it with a little more critical eye because uh, <laughs> I think like most of us at that point, you know, we had a couple of pops and you know, but I, I thought Melendez had done enough in the, in the earlier rounds to uh, to justify a decision. It was razor close, so I didn't feel like he was robbed by any standards. And looking at the, the fight metric scores, it seemed to tell the story for Henderson there as well. And so, you know, I really would have to watch it again. I thought Melendez won, but at the same time, I, you know, I wasn't screaming robbery when it was over. <laughs> so are you saying that most people watch fights with beer goggles? Well, it's like anything else in life on a Saturday night, you know. Uh, sometimes uh, things look a lot better, you know, in your perspective. Uh, well, once you've altered it a couple with uh, some barley and hops, you know, it, uh, it makes, uh, you know, jokes funnier and makes uh, women more attractive and makes uh, people virtually invulnerable to criticism. What's not to love? I don't think we should call them beer goggles. I think we should just end up calling them Cecil Peoples goggles. People's goggles. I don't think anyone was that drunk. No, <laughs> that blind. Yeah. Nah, uh, fuck, leg kicks don't count. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Cormier, Frank Mir. Uh, what your thoughts on that fight? Uh, you know, I I thought Frank Mir had trouble in the clinch. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that seemed to be the story of the fight. Uh, Daniel Cormier was uh, pretty much able to bully Frank Mir around, and you know, given the size disparity between these two gentlemen, that uh, wasn't something that that uh, was you know easy to predict going in. Uh, Frank Mir obviously has a great to heavyweight jiu-jitsu, was not able to show it against Daniel Cormier, and Daniel Cormier, just, despite his uh, rather I don't know, let's say not as impressive physique. Uh, was really able to show a lot of functional strength and uh, really make a you know a case for himself as one of the top heavyweight performers in the division. Should he be, should he choose to stay there? Because you know we know that uh, Cain Velasquez is his training partner, the current heavyweight champion. Cormier's talked about uh, going down to 205, but uh, given his weight cutting experience, who could blame him if he didn't? Now, Trev, you, you've mentioned this twice now. This clinch of Daniel Cormier. Were you, did you think it was a boring fight? Because I by no means thought it was boring. I thought Cormier no. did what he had to do. He landed some nasty elbows and stuff from the inside. So I, I'm just wondering no. because you've said it twice now and we haven't had a chance to talk about. Well, it no, no, yet. I was just uh, I I was just mentioning it because that's what won him the fight. Uh, he he did a great job. It was like sort of like watching Randy Couture again. I mean, he he controlled Mir up that cage, but it wasn't just like he held him there. He threw some vicious uh, uppercuts and some some nice strikes from that clinch. I think that really fucked Frank Mir up, to be honest with you. Um, but it was so funny. I, I just, you know, Frank Mir started throwing those kicks, and it looked like, you know, he, he was maybe going to get some momentum back in the fight, and it just never, it never worked out. And 
Um, you know, I don't know what happens to Frank Mir now. Um, Carlin, he's got two losses. Uh, where do you see Frank Mir? I mean, he'll be in the UFC as long as he wants to be there. Um, he's one of the, you know, the founding fathers in Dana White's eyes. Um, and many, you know, and he's, he's one of the greats, right? So what do you see next for Frank Mir? Yeah, Frank Mir's a lifer, you know. He's, yeah. he's not going to be going anywhere. Uh, I think he really kind of has hit a ceiling as as far as uh, uh, him going as far as talent will take him. But uh, yeah. you know, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. You know, he's uh, a two-time UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, he was looking for a uh, move to Greg Jackson's to revitalize his career. But uh, against the current crop of heavyweights, you know, he's, he's just kind of reached that ceiling. He can't beat Kane. He can't beat Junior. He can't beat Cormier. So, um, you know, if, if the worst thing we can say about Frank Mir is that he's an upper-mid-tier heavyweight, I don't think that's, you know, necessarily an insult at all. Not at this point in his career. He's sort of going to be like, I see him sort of being a gatekeeper, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, be in the top five, you got to get through Frank. Yeah, I don't really like that term, gatekeeper, but no, I... I know, neither do I. I don't know what else do you call it, though. Yeah, exactly. I just, you know, right now he's an upper-mid-tier heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, gatekeeper is a guy I, I like to think is a little bit lower down the, the totem pole than you the Frank so? Mir. In the yeah, heavyweight but, division uh, where there's not a lot of depth, I mean, you know, if you beat Frank Mir like, like you know, Cormier did, and, and Cormier, again, was probably... Was the favorite in that fight but you know he has frank mir now on his resume and if if people don't think that uh you know he's dangerous you know then that he's definitely a guy that uh you know should be getting a title shoot sh- shot very very soon because he's he's sort of legitimate legitimized himself to the ufc fans who maybe didn't know who he was before you know what i mean <coughs> And absolutely, and uh, you know that's kind of my point too. Is that beating Frank Mir still really means something in this yeah. sport? Mm-hmm. It's not like Dana Cormier beat Tim Sylvia or something like that. No disrespect to Tim Sylvia, but you know I'm just trying to think of a, yeah. a once relevant name that isn't anymore. You know, beating Frank Mir really puts uh, Dana Cormier in the mix, as uh, as Dana White likes to say. And whether you know whether Dana Cormier, I don't know what you do with Dana Cormier right now because you know he won't probably fight Cain Velasquez. Mm. Um, just for his own health and safety, I don't want to see him go to 205 for the sole reason that it almost killed him during the Olympics. And I think you know uh, living a, a full and complete life is uh, more important than fighting for a UFC title. That's me. But uh, Daniel Cormier <laughs> has really proved that that his Olympic wrestling and uh, he's his clinch control and his striking power, he's really someone to be reckoned with right now. So maybe it is time for him to call Mike Dolce or one of these guys and you know maybe naturally get down to a lower size so maybe the cut to 205 won't be so terrible for him. Because I could see you know a guy with his talent uh, giving John Jones fits. You know, I don't think he would fight John Jones the way Scott Evans fought John Jones, who is you know probably the most uh, other decorated wrestler that John Jones has faced. Rashad Evans had a terrible game plan in that fight. You know, mm, one yeah. played patty cake with him the entire time. I don't think uh, Daniel Cormier is going to do something like that. So, I, I don't, the world of Daniel Cormier is oyster right now. I got to say, even though he didn't put Frank Mir away, which would have been the, the cherry on top of that cake for him. Yeah, I, I I would love to see Cormier and John Jones, like you said, but I just don't know if that's going to. I don't know when that could happen. I mean, that's that's a you know, like you said, Cormier has had a history of not really being great at dropping weight, so. Maybe he does give Dolce a call. Um, dropping down the card, uh, Thompson Diaz. It, it almost seemed like uh, Nate Diaz was enjoying 420 a little bit too much before that fight because uh, I don't know. I I was surprised. I actually thought Diaz. I had Diaz to win that fight, and and obviously it didn't happen. Um, your thoughts yeah, I on did that? Too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was shocked. Uh, you know, I I really uh, I you know, no disrespect to Josh Thompson, I just did not see him winning this fight. But you no. know, maybe it was the fact that it was 420. Maybe he was just tripped out by Mike Beltran's mustache because you know I, I kept scared of that during the fight as well. Just kind of <laughs> get a little tripped out myself. But Josh Thompson yeah. looked absolutely incredible. Just really took it to Nate Diaz. And, you know, I, I was shocked to see uh, Diaz's corner throw in the towel. That kind of uh, blew me away, too. But uh, I guess that uh, they had Nate Diaz's <gasps> best wishes and, and uh, you know, best wishes in mind. They didn't want to see him take any more punishment because I had never seen Nate Diaz get beat up like that. And the lookout, you know, uh, with uh, Gilbert Melendez uh, coming with an eyelash of winning the title and Josh Thompson just beating on Nate Diaz, Melendez-Thompson 4 may actually happen. <laughs> and it makes sense. And, I mean, yeah. that, that trilogy is not spoken about enough because it's it's probably one of the better ones in in history of of MMA the guys fought to a duel and I think that actually Josh Thompson probably won the at least one of the last two fights No I would agree with that as well um I thought that Josh Thompson got a raw deal from the judges uh but uh, you know the, the Melendez Thompson four now that both guys are kind of established uh, to a UFC audience you could do that. I don't know if they want to hold off on that a bit, but you know, like you say, it's a fight that actually makes sense again, and I don't think anyone could have called that before this weekend. The other fight, Jordan, me and Matt Brown. Uh, I know a lot of people up here in Canada were were cheering for Jordan. Uh, you know, when we had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and he's just a great kid. I know you've spoken to him too, and he's such a great guy, good family, and and uh, it's tough not to cheer for him, but. When I heard that he took on, he was taking on Matt Brown at one month's notice, five weeks' notice, whatever. Uh, I thought, man, that's a that's a tough guy to take on on short short notice like that. I mean, I know he had a month to train, but he just, you know, I I thought that was a lot to to chew. Yeah, that was a tall order, and you know, yeah. especially a guy not just with Matt Brown style. He, he's got that uh, that brawling, that kind of win it all cost style, and he sucks guys in a brawl too. Yeah. You know. He's, and you don't think you're going to brawl Matt Brown, and all of a sudden you find yourself doing it, and on the losing end, you're like, how did I get here? But uh, he's just on such a roll lately that, uh, you know, uh, you got to feel great for Matt Brown, too, and everything that he's overcome. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jordan Ian, you know, riding a freight train of hype, especially coming up here uh, in Canada, and uh, the win over Dan Miller, obviously. And, you know, he's a, he, you're right, he's just such a likable sort. But, uh, yeah, he just uh, did not have enough for Matt Brown on that night. And Matt Brown proving that, you know, he really deserves, uh, I would say, a top five welterweight contender coming out of this fight. And Jordan Mean, I don't think the loss hurts him too much other than physically. I heard that he busted his nose and uh, perhaps his orbital bone. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't think a couple months on the sidelines uh, to regroup and maybe study some tape and just, you know, uh, go back to the drawing board a bit. Uh, I don't think that's going to hurt Jordan Mean that much. You know him and uh, his dad, Lee, who is a really tough guy, tough fighter in his own right. You know, they're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to come back stronger than ever. And uh, it's Matt Brown's ticket to ride right now. Well, moving right along, uh, how excited are you for uh, UFC 159? Um, before well, we sorry. get... Yeah, can we, can we talk about one more fight on that uh, UFC on FX card? Or, uh, oh, you got another fight you want to talk? Okay, give me give me something. What yeah. do you got? What do you got? Francis, Francis Carmont and Lorenz Larkin. Was that <laughs> the most bullshit fucking decision you've ever seen in your life or what? Two I in a row like, now. Bullshit. 
I saw that. Two in a row. We're the only people who thought Francis Carmont won those fights, happened to have scorecards in front of them. What is this guy doing? And, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to disrespect Francis Carmont as a fighter. I just I don't understand how he wins the fight against Tom Lawler. I don't understand how he wins the fight against Lorenz Larkin, unless you say, you know, it, it's the Cecil Peoples syndrome. I just I don't get it. And, again, Mike Beltran was the ref, so maybe, you know, uh, maybe the judges are staring at that mustache too much. This mustache might be a safety concern for the fighters and judges, and I would like to see an athletic commission ruling on it. It's funny because I, I'm actually – I was just actually chatting with Justin Fox about this, and it's not like Carmont fights like Leonard Garcia where the judges are seeing a guy throwing punches wildly and he's he's missing them. The guy threw 28 punches in the first round and landed one, yet a judge still scored it for him. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, Francis Carmont's a tri-star guy. I know that you know he's got a big backing here in Canada, but I could not figure out for the life of me what the judges were, were giving him the rounds for. I, I didn't see what his uh, offense attack was. He had a couple of takedowns that went nowhere. Uh, Lorenz seemed to be the more active fighter in, in every position. Uh, I just, I don't know. Is the game passing me by, gentlemen? What is going on here? I don't even think there was a reason. There, there was absolutely no way that fight should have even been close to a split decision. When I heard that it was a split, I was like, oh, fuck, this all over again. Yeah, I... I don't know. That, that, that's a hard one for me to swallow. But I guess uh, Francis Carmont <laughs> continues to, to to move up the middleweight ranks for no discernible reason at all. That was a hard one for you to swallow. But, but hey, <laughs> yeah, but hey, Francis Carmont did beat up my boss, Frank D'Angelo, so he's got that going for him. Is there anything else on this card that you want to talk about? Oh, what, on uh, Fox? Yeah. Well, anything else well, stand out to you? Like, you know... Well, I was impressed by the Alpha Male Boys, uh, you know, Chad yeah. Mendez and T.J. Dillashaw. Um, you know, uh, Dwayne Bag Ludwig appears to be worth his weight in gold right now. I mean, Alpha Male was known as a stable of wrestlers that, you know, had, had trouble finishing, had trouble getting it done when it counted. And you can make the argument quite easily that they are the hottest camp in MMA right now since Bang Ludwig hooked up with them and to turn them on, you know, to, to the elite striking game. Uh, I would, you know, if I'm against an alpha male guy, they're like the reverse black zillions right now. Everything they're touching is turning to gold, and you know, I, I would be, I would be more than a little scared if I was to sign up for a fight against Faber, Dillashaw, Mendez, any of these guys. Yeah, no kidding, man. And uh, do you think, like, I mean, that's that's it's funny because a lot of people were talking about Dwayne Bang Ludwig after and. And and everyone's singing his praises, and, and it's funny how like just uh, you infuse somebody like that into your gym who's got you know that kickboxing background, who's and it's just amazing how quickly things can change. And that that really is uh, you know the the real shocker. This whole thing is how quickly it yeah. happened. I mean, if we were to, if we were talking about this like six months down the road, all right, they've been working with Bang for a year. You know, they're, they're starting to really feel their groove. They're starting to loosen up in a striking game. No, I mean, this is an almost instantaneous turnaround for these guys. And, you know, like I said, I, I, <laughs> facing an alpha male prospect right now is a very, very scary thought. And uh, I think we could see that the, their gold drought, it could end sooner rather than later, I think. I, I'm so impressed with all the alpha male guys right now. I'm just so impressed with you, too, by the way. Oh, gee, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> UFC, I'm going to UFC 159, okay? I'm moving right along. UFC 159, yeah. Jones versus Sonnen, um, Bisping versus <clears throat> Belcher. You got Roy Nelson, Czech Congo, Phil Davis, Vinny Magalhaes, Jim Miller, Pat Healy. Magalhaes? Yeah. 
Pat Healy. Pat, we just had Pat Healy on, by the way, and we were talking about Jim Miller. Oh, really? Yeah, how's, uh, how's that, how does that go? Because I'm a big Pat Healy fan. He's an awesome dude, by the way. I highly recommend putting him on your yeah. show. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'm a big fan of both the Healy brothers. Um, last time I saw Ryan Healy, he was fighting here in Score Fighting Series in Ontario against Jesse Ronson. And you guys know what a fucking beast Jesse Ronson is. And Jesse Ronson kicked him in the head three consecutive times, and Healy was just still standing on his feet. And you could tell even Ronson was looking at him going, dude, what the hell? Like, uh, that guy is double tough. <laughs> he is. You know, and uh, So, yeah, put him on your show, In the Cage with Bards on the next sportstar.com. So let's go right to the. There's no the. There's no the. It's just next sports star. No. Well, okay. Well, you're the Carlin Bardsley, and uh, I want. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're uh, just looking at this card. First off, before you know, we even touch the main event. uh, Anything that stands out to you that you can't wait to see, even on even the prelims wise, uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, that Miller uh, Pat Healy fight—that's going to be a real barn burner. You know, I, I I'm really excited about that. Um, Obed Saint Peru is, is going to look to you know make his bones in the UFC against Jean Valente. I'm looking forward to that as well. Sarah McMahon and Sheila Gaff, I think, is a really interesting matchup. Uh, Sarah McMahon, of course, the silver medalist uh, in Athens for wrestling, six and zero, taking on Sheila Gaff. And I was a little down on Sheila Gaff getting a UFC contract when I first heard about it because Why? Rosie Sexton. Well, because Rosie Sexton hadn't been offered one yet, she has since. Is going to be fighting Alexis Davis in Winnipeg. But Sheila Gaff, you know, she really ducked that fight with Rosie Sexton. And uh, there's a lot of PED rumors surrounding her, so I wasn't overly impressed with that signing. But Gaff, you know, she's primarily a striker, and uh, with McMahon's ground skills, I have to think that Sarah McMahon is just going to, you know, bull rush her, keep her on her back, and just pound the living bejesus out of her. So that's something I'd like to see. And, you know, uh, Leonard Garcia, who we mentioned earlier, is always entertaining, if nothing else, taking on uh, the master of the McKenzie team, Cody McKenzie. And uh, even kicking off the card, Steven Seiler, who I think is tremendously underrated, taking on Kurt Hollibaugh. I think we could uh, see a breakthrough performance from Steven Seiler there as well. Hey, back to Sarah McMahon. You uh, you think that the UFC is really hoping that uh, they have something here here with the, you know maybe at the future bout uh, with Ronda Rousey? Well, I would think so. I mean, it writes itself. I mean, uh, Olympic yeah. medalist versus Olympic medalist, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, Sarah, she says she's content to come along a, a little bit slower. Um, yeah, I think there's enough people up top in the 135 division to, to fight Rosie right now. Uh, I think the winner of Alexis Davis and Rosie Sexton would be a great choice. Uh, I'm still amazed Rosie Sexton's going up to 135, but I guess the opportunity came. And uh, you know, the Sarah McMahon, she can bide her time. She can have uh, one or two more fights. And by the time she's ready, you know, people will be hungry to see Ronda Rousey and Sarah McMahon, I think. Roy Nelson, uh, Czech Congo is on the main card. Um you know, obviously, everyone's going to be excited about this fight because they want to, you know, people are, you know, a lot of people are big Roy Nelson fans, and uh, it's obviously, you know, fun to watch him fight. Um, who do you got in this fight and why? Um, I would I would say Big Country, to be honest with you. You know, Big Country's got a hell of a chin. Um, you know, Czech Congo is another one of these guys that, you know, he's, he's a middle-of-the-pack heavyweight, like we talked about earlier, but I would rank him well below a guy like Frank Mir. So, you know, when you say gatekeeper, I would I would fill Czech Congo in that slot. Uh, you know, I, I don't like that term, but I would use that name, you know, of Czech Congo's way before it used Frank Mears. And uh, Roy Nelson, you know, he's he's not afraid to go in there and mix it up with elite-level strikers. We saw it uh, against Krokop. Uh, we saw him land that uh, winging overhand right against Stephen Struve. Um, I, I don't know. This, this 
this fight stylistically just uh, seems to speak more to big country than it does to Czech Congo. And you know if it hits the floor, it's all Nelson. So, you know, if Congo can't knock him out early, it could be a long night for him. You don't want to call Czech Congo a gatekeeper. Trevor knows firsthand about that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> Michael Bisping, Alan Belcher. Uh, Jeremy keeps giving me like the little, he does the twirly fingering <laughs> thing. And I keep thinking that like he's doing the macho man imitation, but uh, that means he wants me to hurry up. Um, Michael Bisping, Alan Belcher. Uh, Bisping and Belcher seem to be doing some trash talking. Shocking. Uh, Bisping says after he beats Belcher, no one will ever give a fuck about Alan Belcher. Uh, who do you have in this fight and why? I, I'm... I'm actually going to say that I think Alan Belcher, Alan Belcher has a really good shot to maybe upsetting Bisping. If you I like up. Alan Belcher. Uh, I like him as a fighter. Uh, I like him as an individual. I do not see this fight against Michael Bisping going his way. You know, Bisping is another uh, he's a guy like Frank Mir who's kind of, you know, kind of, you know, reach, uh, reach the ceiling and is unable to break through. I guess, you know, uh, Uriah Faber at uh, 135 would be another comparison as well of a guy who's just right there but never seems to be able to pull the trigger on it. But uh, I think stylistically, I, I think uh, Bisping is going to be able to keep this on the feet. I think he's going to be able to, to wear Belcher down with his kickboxing. And, uh, you know, as far as the trash talking goes, I think this is you know, far and away Michael Bisping's advantage. <laughs> yeah, Alan yeah. Belcher filmed a couple of funny YouTube videos, but seemed, you know, seemed kind of nervous when Bisping was going after him during that media call. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I I think this is going to be a superb fight. I actually um, maybe I'm a bit of an Alan Belcher fan, so I, I'm I'm sort of leaning his way. But uh, I don't know I've, if I'm going to pick an upset in in on this card. That was the one that I, I was picking. Uh, John Jones, Chael Sonnen. Everyone's calling this a major. Well, not everyone, but I've had people call this a major mismatch. I don't think it's a mismatch as most people or some people think. Um, uh, Jeremy was actually just before we came on today was saying that he's got a feeling that uh, Chill Sonnen has a chance against John Jones, uh, or and that he may actually pull the upset off here. Uh, Carlin, are you saying the same thing, or you or do you have John Jones in this one all the way? I think John Jones is as close to a lock as you can get in a fight like this. I mean, sure, he might pull a Kevin Random and slip on some ice and bash his head off the concrete floor in the locker room before the fight, giving Chill Sonnen a shot, but. Uh, no, I, I, I see absolutely no way that uh, realistically Chael Sonic can win this fight. And, you know, it's, John Jones is everything Anderson Silva is. And, you know, perhaps a little bit more aggressive, a little younger, a little hungrier. And, you know, I think Chael Sonnen has even really backed off the trash talk uh, going into this fight, which may say something because I, I think everyone was counting on Chael Sonnen uh, from a promotion standpoint to really carry the day and sell this fight. And as much as people give him have been uh, giving John Jones a bit of heat just for, you know, kind of ignoring Chael Sonnen when they had him side-by-side -side in interviews and stuff like that. I mean, Chael Sonnen, uh, a year ago, uh, or back in September, when uh, this fight would have happened at 151, which I would have supported then, by the way. Yep. Uh, Chael Sonnen, you know, he was, you know, saying John Jones is a selfish, entitled brat. He named that chicken pizza after him at his uh, pizzeria in Westland, Oregon. And uh, going up in the lead into this fight, uh, he doesn't sound, uh, you know, nearly as nearly as confident uh, that they've, you know, all but wasted three months on the Ultimate Fighter. Not that the Ultimate Fighter for, you know, the, the participants wasn't a good show. But, you know, for the Jones-Sun interaction, it was really nothing. Um, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear what all the pro wrestling fans who seem to love Chael Sonnen are going to say about this, you know, why Chael Sonnen isn't building this fight the way Dana White, I'm sure, hoped he would. 
Yeah, uh, you know what? I, in some ways, I think what John Jones is doing by sort of, I don't want to say ignoring, but you know, not really giving Chael much in back as far as trash talk is, is actually part of his uh, psychology of this fight. I mean, this is what I think he's doing is making Chael Sonnen do all the promo talk, all the talk, because like John Jones says, he does his talking in the cage, and he's so he's showing that by example right now by not getting sucked into the trash talk. And I'll tell you what, when it, when and if he does uh, beat Chael Sonnen uh, this Saturday night, uh, you know, John Jones is going to be standing in the center of, of the cage, and people are going to realize this guy is, we're watching, we're witnessing greatness, and, and this guy doesn't need to go out there and, and trash talk because he does it in, he does all his work in the cage. He's one of the greats. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think John Jones is a fantastic athlete, but, uh, you know, John Jones is talking about building his legacy, talking about uh, beating Tito Ortiz for consecutive light heavyweight uh, uh, defenses. Yeah, does the fact that, you know, um, the last two of his fights have been against blown-up middleweights, does that work against him at all, do you guys think? Jared, what do you think? No, I, I, I don't know. It depends. These guys, well, both this fight and his last fight, they're big, big middleweights to begin with. Um, Chael Sonnen, I could see him weighing in almost a pound over the 205-pound weight limit, I'm sure. He walks around very big. Um, whether it delegitimatizes his, his stakes as, you know, no. greatest of all time, I highly doubt it. He just fights the guys the UFC puts in front of him, and he he destroys them. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I just I like the reverse psychology in this, this fight. Just, you know, not giving Chael Sonnen really the the time of day letting Chael just kind of blow off all the steam. So, you know, Chael looks really silly if, if he were to lose. Well, and I got the feeling that, that Chael may look uh, silly and I don't know. I think Chael, and this is just a wild theory of mine. I think Chael may retire after this loss, to be honest with you, because he's not going to get a bigger money fight after this. You know, he's fought the two biggest money fights he's going to have in Anderson Silva for the second time. And now John Jones. And I think Chael will be happy just sitting, you know, behind the desk at Fuel TV after this. Again, this is just me speculating. I, I know nothing about this, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, well, one thing I want to talk to you guys about, that is it just me or is, you know, did you figure the buzz for this event is going to be a lot bigger than it seems to be? Because, honestly, I, you know Dana White was counting on this to really draw in the casual fans. That's why they gave it the Ultimate Fighter. Um, and they gave it the great slot on Tuesday nights and everything like that. But honestly, I'm walking around and I'm not finding a lot of people who are super excited about seeing John Jones and Chael Sonnen. And, you know, I, I'm kind of in the hardcore MMA fan bubble. I admit that about myself sometimes. But, you know, I, I thought that I would be hearing a lot more about this fight walking into this. And I'm wondering if it's just maybe the neighborhood I'm in, maybe Toronto is just not excited. But uh, are you guys finding that everyone is hyped for this fight or not? I don't know about hyped. I know there's going to be a lot of people watching it. I mean, uh, we're we're doing our uh, our hosting duties here in Vancouver at the Forum uh, Sports Bar this Saturday night, and uh, I'll tell you what I you know I know people are excited. Uh, I mean that bar you know fills up, and and you know it, it, there are two names. I know I understand what you're saying. You're not getting you're not hearing a lot of media talk about it either, like even just mainstream sports media. But um, you know I think especially in your neck of the woods, Ontario. I don't think you need really need to hear a lot of buzz. I think people will just show up because pe- most people there are fairly educated MMA fans that are they're going to want to see this fight. They want to see John Jones, but you know, and there else could be a portion that don't think that Chael Sonnen stands a chance. They just kind of a, you know, a, I think a lot of people see through sort of what the UFC was trying to do with this fight. Do you know what I mean? Or really deserved it in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, did Chael Sonnen really 
deserve the title shot. No, and I think some people, a good portion of MMA fans out there, think that this fight's kind of ridiculous. And you know what? I would hope they would, to be honest with you. That there's a part of me that uh, does not, you know, I don't want to see, you know, the pay-per-view tank or anything. But you know, if it underperforms, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. You know, that UFC can get back to, you know, kind of promoting real fights for the title instead of what they've been doing. You know, and I, you know, giving Chael Sonnen a, a title shot based on, you know, what pro wrestling fans think. I mean, to me, it's ridiculous. And you guys know my thoughts on that. Uh, I did, Anderson Silva did uh, better numbers against Vitor Belfour uh, than he did against Chael Sonnen the first time, you know, despite uh, everyone that was a wrestling fan telling me how great Chael Sonnen was. People want to see athletic, competitive fights. And this, quite frankly, isn't one. So if it underperforms, I don't think it's the, the worst thing in the world for the long-term health of the sport. What happens if Chael Sonnen wins? <laughs> oh, Jesus, this gun in the mouth time. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I hope not. No, like, what, what happens if Chael Sonnen wins? <laughs> that is actually a great question. I, I really wish I had a, a good answer for that. But if Chael Sonnen wins, then, you know... Uh, Instant rematch. Uh, just fold the fucking thing into the WWF already and be done with it. You know, I'll you know I'll go back to you know, I don't know. I'll find something to do. Don't but, be you know, that that's that's gone in the mouth time. Don't be knocking pro wrestling. You've done it now a couple times in this interview. Don't be knocking pro wrestling. Why not? <laughs> it's, come on, dudes in neon tights pretending oh, to boy. fight. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Pretending to fight, and and you're you're telling me not to knock it. I mean, you know. And, and I, I want to make something clear too, because uh, you know, not everyone that likes pro wrestling is you know a, a you know a, a stupid person or anything like that. I like a lot of stupid things myself. Pro wrestling just doesn't have to be one of them, you know. And for the person that's just burnt out on a Monday night, just wants to turn their brain off a couple of hours and watch some wrestling, no problem there. You know, my problem is for the people who actively you know say that uh, that UFC and mixed martial arts should be more like wrestling. I'm like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Seriously. No, um, and I'm, I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> All right. You know what? I hope you don't put a gun to your head or in your mouth or wherever you're going to put it because we want to have you on again. And uh, he's Carlin Bardsley, who's out east there in Ontario, Canada. And uh, Carlin, your show, just uh, give you a chance to plug it and where people can get a hold of you on Twitter. Do you, have you changed your Twitter name or are you still just Carlin Bardsley? Um, yeah, not to the best of my knowledge. It should be the same thing. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so tell people where they can find it, at Carlin Bardsley? At Carlin Bardsley. Uh, I, I, can, I can be tweeted there. I tweet things uh, from time to time. And uh, the, the show is on nextsportstar.com. It is daily at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, we have a lot of fun on that show. Uh, last week we had some great shows talking mm-hmm. about uh, the situation in Ontario and uh, uh, the lack of MMA here. And I don't know if you guys saw the Tom Wright interview, but uh, you know that, that was a pretty good one that got a lot of buzz. Um, you know, we had Robin Black on last week talking about it as well. And uh, tomorrow, uh, just waiting to nail down a time, and we should have Cad Zangano on the program, which is going to be fantastic as well. And yeah, so every day at 2 p.m. Eastern time, it's a lot to keep together. It's a lot of strands on old Duder's head, man. I got to tell you, uh, hey. police Herrig's, police Herrig's gonna be on soon, and yeah, so I don't know. I, I really need an assistant or a girlfriend or something like that to help me uh, keep track <laughs> cool. of the whole thing, you know. Uh, and honestly, I'm getting less and less picky as to which one it is. I'm not gonna lie to you. 
But uh, yeah, so if you're if you're interested in either job, uh, meet me at Carlin Bardfleet. And uh, you Send know, a I'm, I'm a good-looking guy. I'm fun to be around. Uh, you know, these guys put up with me for whatever reason, so that's got to say something. So <laughs> we'll work something out. <laughs> I love that. An assistant or a girlfriend, either or. All right. Good, good. Yeah, hey, you I, know, I, whichever role you think you're best suited for, I'm willing to interview for that position. <laughs> Cool, bro. Um, hey, we gotta have you on again because I want to actually do want to talk to you about what's going on in Ontario. Um, so we'll we'll uh, we'll have you on again sooner than later because uh, I think we should touch up on that because uh, I think a lot of people, like you said, should know sort of the goings ons in that jurisdiction because it's not fun for the MMA fan in Ontario right now, is it? No, it's it's a terrible time to be a grassroots MMA fan in Ontario and. Uh, you know, uh, quite frankly, uh, a lot of the blame has to fall on the shoulders of the Ontario Athletic Commission and uh, and the people running that. But uh, we've talked a lot about it on the NSS show. Uh, the Tom Wright interview is on YouTube because I, I, I theorize that the only way things are going to change in Ontario is if the UFC, you know, like it or not, they're the care, caretakers of the sport right now. They might have to lean on the OAC a bit. Uh, Tom Wright said that, you know, Tom Wright is a very diplomatic guy, said they were open to working with the OAC, so we'll have to see how that works out. But, uh, yeah, the, the situation in Ontario is just a complete mess right now. We talk about that a lot, and uh, I'd love to talk about it in depth next time I'm on. Perfect, Carlin. Thanks for doing this. And uh, uh, before we let you go, is there, uh, are you a fan of Queens of the Stone Age? Because it's been Queens of the Stone Age night uh, tonight. Uh, it was Jeremy's choice for music. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I love Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, you should uh, you know, rock up uh, No One Knows or Little Sister, one of those songs. Yeah, I love Queens okay. of the Stone Age. All right. Carlin, thanks for doing this, bro, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Absolutely, man. Peace out. So a lot to look forward to, uh, UFC 159 this Saturday. Carlin laying it all out there. Uh, you like his picks? I don't mind his picks. Um, as we said earlier, I'm sort of riding shotgun and, and uh, hoping that Sonnen wins this one. Um, I think he has a chance, obviously. Uh, Roy Nelson, bar burner of a fight against uh, Chet Congo, the gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's not that uh, he didn't like the question when I asked him that. I mean, I don't know. He's... I think he took it out of context. I think uh, I think he took it a little differently than you than he thought he did. It doesn't matter. It's over yeah, and okay. done with. Okay. The rest of this card, though, other than the main card, is. I mean, it's not all that interesting. Do you think it is? I I I'm not getting hyped up about the undercard fights really. Um, Brian Caraway, Mister Misha Tate. Uh, is fighting on this card against Johnny Bedford, last-minute replacement. Uh, that that could be a fun fight to watch. Obviously, the women, as yes. Carlin said, Sarah McMahon, Sheila Gaff, it's going to be a fun fight to watch as well, just to see if Sarah McMahon is the real deal and if she is uh, legible to fight against Ronda Rousey at some point in her career. Other than the main card, though, th- nothing on this really tickles my fancy. Tickles your fancy. Um, so people who are in the Vancouver Lower Mainland area, by the way, we're going to be at a different venue uh, than we used to do it at Shanks Sports Grill. Now we're at the Forum uh, Sports Bar on Granville. Check it out. If you're in the Lower Mainland, come say hi to us and hang out, and we'll be giving away a lot of cool stuff. 
Um, Jeremy, I want to mention something. You are looking for writers. We're looking for writers for MMASucker.com. You're putting together a little bit of a contest. Yeah, it should be a fun contest. Uh, we've actually already got a couple entries in here. Uh, the contest literally just launched uh, while we were talking on this radio <laughs> show here, and we've got a couple entries in already. Um, we're just looking for writers. Uh, anyone interested in the sport of MMA, uh, send in uh, a piece of your writing, uh, something new, hopefully, something that maybe if, if we like it, we could put up on the site. Um, anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 words. Don't go way over. Don't come in way under. Otherwise, you won't be eligible for the contest to write for us. Um, yeah, we're looking for writers. It should be fun. Yeah, all the details. Go to MMASucka.com. You'll see it there. Uh Click on it. You'll get all the details of what you have to do and, and where you have to email that off to. So it's great. MMA Sucker is expanding. That's that's kind of cool. That's good news. And uh, as I mentioned last week, I said we would be back on iTunes. We're back on iTunes. We're we, back. Yeah, first episode back on iTunes was last week's, and uh, this week we'll be up on iTunes right after the episode. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're listening to it on iTunes, then you'll know, Congratulations. You'll know it's there. Congratulations. Yeah, you'll know it's there. But if you're listening on Stitcher or, or on MMASucker.com or something like that and you want to listen to it on iTunes, then head on over there, search MMA Sucker Radio, and, and there it'll be. And i got to say thanks to Sportsnet as well if you're listening to us uh, via the sportsnet.ca website. We thank you for listening. We want, Dude, thank you for putting together a good show. I thought Patrick Healy was excellent. And uh, Carlin Bardsley, of course, uh, laying it down, giving us the truth. And then, of course, your uh, your music selection today, Queens of the Stone Age. Yep. Should be a good one next week. We'll have a lot to chat about after UFC 159. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at MMASucka. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MMASucka. Um, I think that's about it. MMASucka is out! Now, I don't mean to um, to move on to other parts of your career, but there's a Star Wars movie coming out. J.J. Uh, Abrams I, is directing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm... Look... And I would love to know what your what your plans are for this. Uh, you know, I, re- I can't... Um, uh, you can't say what's going on? I... I, you know, there's nothing I can't talk about. Well, we have some uh, people in the audience who like to ask you some questions. Would you be all right taking some questions from the sure. audience? Any, any, any rules? No, no, no Star Wars No Star Wars questions. I, you know, I can't. Okay, all right, yeah, real problem. I think we have, um, who, okay, yeah, we have a gentleman right there. No Star Wars questions. Um, do, do you like being in movies? Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. Okay, they're pretty straightforward there. Do we have any, um, do we have another? Okay, we have uh, someone right over here. Yes. Uh, are, are, are you hungry? Are you hungry? No, not really. <laughs> do we have, um, thank you. Okay, thank you. And it's, uh, we have an, okay, yes, there's a, uh, right here. Question right there. Yeah. Yeah, somebody, uh, <laughs> You son of a bitch. What do you want? Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Always trying to blame me. You're the one who couldn't keep it in your in your furry pants. 
Actually, he's not wearing any kind of, doesn't wear pants. I risk my case. <laughs> You're so full of <laughs> How did he get in here? Did you? Did you set this up? You set I, this up, Kibble? No, 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 no. I just thought you two could bury the hatchet. I mean, I know you've had issues in the past, and I thought it would be nice to get you together, you know? What happened between you? He knows what he did. <laughs> she was my wife. <laughs> you wookie sack of Oh, Harrison, please, let's... Please, let's not... No, really, no reason to speak. You but, listen to me. You're either on my side, or you're you're on his side. Well, uh, oh, no, I'm, oh. I'm out of here. No, 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 no. really. No, I, I really didn't and mean you, to. You, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> Well, uh, 42 is in theaters now. Harrison Ford, everyone. We'll be right back with Anthony Mackie.